First Chronicles chapter 29, we will see that David, in the beginning, I will not read all of it, but just give you a little bit of the setting here. In verse 1, David had it in his heart to build a house for God. This house, of course, was a place where the Ark of the Covenant would dwell in the Holy of Holies. So the Ark of the Covenant would be placed there. The presence of God would dwell there. And people would come to offer sacrifice and worship there. And so David had a strong passion for the house of God. He had it in his heart to build. In verse 2 it says, Now I have prepared with all of my might for the house of my God. And he talks about the materials that he had prepared for the building of the temple. And then in verse 3, now because I've set my affection, if you'll look with me to verse 3, in verse 3 he says, moreover, because I've set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good, or Amplified Bible says private treasure, of gold and silver which I've given to the house of my God, over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house. So David had set his affection to the house of God, and as a result, he had then made an offering or given an offering. In the next verse, he tells exactly what he gave, uh, the amount of silver and gold and the value of that, of course, in 2014 numbers, because we figured it in 2014. And uh, it was uh, just less than $5 billion that, gave, that David gave privately out of his own personal treasure. So just a little less than $5 billion. And then he said in verse 5, who then is willing, the latter part of the verse, who then is willing to fill his hand and consecrate it to the Lord? Who's willing to give an offering, consecrate? Many times when we think about consecration, we think about consecrating our heart and our lives to Jesus, and certainly that is so appropriate. But part of consecration is consecrating our money or consecrating our offering to God. So part of consecrating our life or dedicating our life would be in relation to giving. So he said, who is willing to fill his hand and consecrate it to the Lord? Well, then it says in verse 6, then the chief of the fathers... The chief of the fathers, let's read it together, verse 6. Then the chief of the fathers, the princes of the tribes of Israel, and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work, offered willingly. So really, this group of people, or this leadership team, uh, said, okay, David, we're with you. We are going to offer willingly. We are with you. Well, you have to understand that this leadership team were with David when things didn't look so good. Uh, the future didn't look really so bright. David was hiding out in the uh, cave of Adullam, and he was running from Saul, and Saul, being the king at the time, was jealous of David, and so David's hiding out in the cave of Adullam. And there were 400 men that joined themselves to David, and it says in description of those 400 men that they were in debt, they were discontent, and they were distressed. In debt, distressed, discontent. So this was their condition. 
But now there has been a major turnaround, if you will, in their life. No doubt, right? God has blessed them. David is now the king. And, you know, some people will hook up with you if you're already the king. But they hooked up with him before he was king. You understand? So they were with him then, but they're now still with him. And these are his leadership team. And so this leadership team uh, are now going to offer willingly to the Lord. Well, then, if you read the next verse, you'll find that it describes how much they gave, so much weighting gold and silver and so forth. And so the value of that in 2014 was like just over $8 billion. Of course, gold and silver fluctuate. Metals fluctuate over time, iron and so forth, things that were given. Uh, they fluctuate depending on the time and the season, right? So here in 2014, just over $8 billion. Now, this is a group of men that previously were in debt, distress, and discontent. So God has done this amazing turnaround in David's life. God's done this amazing turnaround in these uh, men's lives and obviously in their families and so forth. So there's been a major turnaround and prosperity has come to them in super abundance. No doubt. Because they're now giving billions of dollars for the building of the temple. Well, then we'll go down to verse 9. If you'll skip down with me again. Verse 9 says, Then the people rejoiced. For that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Listen to that verse. Then the people rejoiced. So that was quite a celebration. You've got David who is a king leading them in giving. And if you're going to be a leader, you've got to lead in giving. As a pastor, I lead in giving as well as in other ways. So I don't believe in just asking you to give. I believe that giving is essential to any human per, uh, being's life, to my life, to your life, and uh, to your family's life. I believe that giving is to be a part of our lifestyle. And so, as a kid, I gave. I was 100% giver as a, as a child because my mother would give me a dime and I'd give it all. So, I received a dime and I gave a dime away, gave it to God. You know, and then as a teenager, really as a kid, I started working and, and making some money. I gave from that. And then as a teenager, I gave off of that money that I labored for and was taught to tithe. And then I started giving above that as, a, as an adult. Uh, actually, as a teenager, I gave above uh, my tithe. And then I set uh, some goals, and I set a goal to give 15% when in the natural there was no way I could do that because that was uh, early on. You know, as a pastor, Pastor Vicky and myself, we started a church with five people. So we had no promise of basically any income initially. And uh, so we started giving 15%. We raised it up to 20%. You couldn't figure it out in the budget. Can't figure a budget based on our income because there's no, uh, not enough to pay your bills, much less give away money. And so we just started doing it by faith. And then we started giving 25%. Then we started giving 30%. We've been giving 30% of our income uh, for over 30 years. So it's not a new thing. 
It's something we've lived as a lifestyle. I don't say that to pin anything on us. I'm just saying I'm a giver. So when I talk about giving, I'm not just trying to uh, just coerce you or try to, I'm trying to teach you to help you to live to give. And I believe that when you live to give and you love to give and you give cheerfully, it says here that they rejoice in that they offered willingly. In other words, the people rejoiced. As a young man, I really wasn't in my church. They didn't teach on giving, nor did they teach on receiving. They're good people. It was a good church. They taught the Bible. But it was just one of those things that they lacked in communicating. So as a child, as a teenager, they didn't teach me. But I started acting on what I knew, and then I started hearing other things and seeing other things in the Bible. So I purposed as a pastor that I'm going to teach people the Word. So when we do an offering, we give you the word so that your faith is in God's word. If your faith is in God's word, then your faith is in God. And if your faith is in God, then you have joy in your giving. And if you have joy in your giving and faith in God that he will support you in your living, in other words, your joy-filled giving causes you to have a joy-filled life. In other words, the blessings of God come to you because you are obedient to God's living word. Praise God. So in this case, they rejoice for that they offered willingly. So now everybody is involved in giving. So you can see this team effort, everybody's involved. It's not just David. It's not just a leadership team. It's everybody. They rejoice and offered willingly unto the Lord. And it says they did it with a perfect heart. Before you judge somebody's living, you might want to consider their giving. In other words, sometimes people are blessed tremendously, but they are faithful in giving. And they are generous in their giving. So if you're generous in your giving, I can tell you, according to God's word, he's going to be generous to you for your living. Because God gives seed to the sower, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. God gives seed to the sower, bread for your food, and he does what? Multiplies your seed sown. Now, if God multiplies your seed sown, then you're going to have more than you had before. In other words, you can give more than you've ever given, and you can have more than you've ever had. And God wants you to have both. He wants you to be able to give more than you've ever given, and he wants you to have more than you've ever had. In other words, God is a God of increase. God is not a God who says, give it away and go broke. No, God says, give it away, and I'll multiply your seed sown, and I'll cause blessing to come to your life, come to your home. God's blessing will come to your labors on your job. God's blessing will come to your business, God's blessing will come to you because you've honored God first. And when you seek God first, his promise, come on, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. He said, all these things will be added unto you. So God adds to you, but he also multiplies it back to you. So God is not just into the adding business. He's into the multiplication business as well. So God multiplies your seed sown so you can expect blessing to come to your life, to your house, to your family. And of course, when you give, then you're blessing others, aren't you? Being a blessing to the kingdom of God. So they rejoiced in that they offered willingly and they did it with a perfect heart. So their heart was engaged in their giving. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now let's go back to David. David set his affection on the house of God. 
didn't he? His affection, where your affection is, will determine where your money goes. So if you have an affection for hunting, you will buy guns. If you have an affection for fishing, you will buy a boat or a fishing rod. If you have an affection for fast cars, you will spend money to go fast. Right? If you have an affection for shoes, ladies, I'm going to talk to the ladies for a minute. If you have an affection for shoes, then come on now. You will spend some money for some shoes. You will line them up in the closet. Woohoo! The Lord is good. Amen. Come on, son. All right. If you have an affection for anything, then you will invest or put your money there. Right? And what you have an affection for and you spend your money for brings you joy. You enjoy. God means for you to enjoy things. He, does, you, he wants you to serve the Lord with gladness and he wants you to be blessed. And when you are blessed, he wants you to be happy about it. And acknowledge him that he is good and that his blessing has come to your life. So when you have an affection for things, you invest in it and it brings you joy. You enjoy relaxation or whatever you're enjoying in life. God wants you to enjoy some of the blessings on this earth. Amen. But he also wants you to put him first. He also wants you to have joy in giving. And so in this case, they rejoiced for that. They offered willingly with a perfect heart. They offered to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced. David the king also rejoiced. So he saw their giving willingly for the building of the temple. And David the king had joy because he had set his heart and his affection on the house of God. And he had invested in the house of God. And he saw the leadership team invest in the house of God. And then he saw the whole group. I mean, all of the people of Israel are saying, we're in this too. We are rejoicing and we're offering willingly. They had a celebration offering. Like, not like some offerings. Hold on to your wallet. No, 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 no. They were happy to give. Somebody say happy. happy. I believe some of the happiest people on earth are people who have learned the joy of giving. Not just financially, but giving their life, giving their service, giving their time, being a, a blessing to others. And then, of course, financially giving and being generous in their giving financially as well. When you live to give and love to give and give cheerfully, man, you have joy in your life. And I believe God wants to break people out of their limited thinking. Do you believe that God's word is true? Anybody in the room believe that God's word is true? He said he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you even ask or think. So that means God can supersede your limitations. God can do exceeding abundantly, Ephesians 3.20, exceeding abundant above all that you even ask or think. God wants to do something to break you out of your box. You know, I believe God will bless you more than you bless yourself. And I've watched him do it in my life. I mean, he just bless you in ways that you wouldn't even figure out to bless yourself. 
but God is good. When you're generous with God, then God will be generous with you. If you're generous in your sowing, God says you'll have a generous harvest because God's good. Somebody say God's generous. Now, considering here, it's really about motivation. It's not just the amount of your giving. It's the motivation of your heart. It's where your affection is. Because, you know, some people don't have the same level of income, but they can be generous at their level. And they can have a heart for God's kingdom. And they can have joy in their giving at any level. And I've experienced it at all different levels. And I'm not finished, and you're not finished. In other words, this is not the end of your prosperity. Somebody shout glory. All right, I said, this is not the end of your prosperity. That God wants to increase you, the scripture says in Psalm 115, increase you more and more. Increase you more and more. In other words, when you get there, there's still some more. I mean, believe there's some more for you. Amen. And if you'll find out the joy of giving, then you're sowing for your future. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and we're going to go to chapter 9 and verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You know, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So you, when we're talking about giving, we're not just talking about giving to get something. I'm not living to get, I'm living to give, but if you live to give, you're going to get. It's just the laws of God. When you sow, you're going to reap. So you live to give. Ephesians says that you work with your hands that you may have to give. Now, most people, they, you know, in our world, in our society, they're not thinking about, I'm working to be able to give away. But if you understand God's laws of prosperity and God's way of living and the joy of giving, then you're not just working so you can get some more stuff. How many found out the more stuff you have, more stuff you got to take care of? The more stuff you get, more stuff you got to take care of. Then you want some more stuff. Then you got to take care of that stuff. Then you want some more stuff. Then you got to take care of that stuff. Then you don't have enough time to take care of stuff you got. And you say, why did I get all this stuff? So you got to sell some stuff so you don't have so much stuff. So you have some time to take care of stuff you got. Because if you don't get rid of stuff, it's going to drive you crazy. It's going to wear you out and you're not going to. You understand what I'm saying. I mean, enjoy it. If you can't enjoy it, if it's past the enjoyment. You might want to reconsider. Are you following me? How much stuff you want to possess? And your life does not consist in the things that you possess. I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. Your life does not consist in the things that you possess. So uh, God wants you to possess things. He wants you to enjoy the things you possess. And he wants you to serve him gladly while you're possessing those things and enjoying them. Amen? Amen. But if you've got past the point of enjoyment, and now it's just a drudgery, and it's like, my God, where did I get all this stuff? Lord, would you kind of uh, let me get rid of this? He said, yep, go ahead. Amen. You, you, you follow me? In other words, God wants you to enjoy life. All right, let's go to verse 7. Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves what? God loves what? God loves a cheerful giver. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart. So giving his own purpose. 
And it's also connected to your heart. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, Jesus said. So, as a person purposes in their heart, so let them give. Don't do it grudgingly. Don't do it of necessity. For God loves a... God loves a... God loves for cheerful givers to be cheerful in their giving. Praise God, because when you're a cheerful giver, then it shows your willingness, doesn't it? Now... I looked up the willing because uh, the word willing in Webster's. You know, Webster was a very smart, intelligent man, but he was also a godly man. He loved God, honored God, but very highly intelligent, and I believe God can make you intelligent. And so, here's what he said about the word willing. He said, favorably disposed or consenting as willing. He says, part of the definition is Giving readily and cheerfully. Giving readily and cheerfully as a willing assistant. Then he says, done or given readily or gladly or voluntary. Given readily, gladly or voluntarily or giving readily and cheerfully. God loves a what? Cheerful giver. Ready giver. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified Bible. Amplified Bible says, let each one give as he has made up his own mind. In other words, you have to choose. And purposed in his heart. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Not reluctantly, sorrowfully or under compulsion. For God loves, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things. And is unwilling to abandon. God takes pleasure in. God prizes above everything, other things. He's unwilling to abandon or to do without. So God will ne- never abandon a giver, a cheerful giver. And he's unwilling to do without. Not everybody will, but somebody will. And if somebody don't, God will find somebody that will. That's just the way he works. Not everybody's going to give. Not everybody's going to go to heaven. Not everybody's going to receive from God. Not everybody's going to do this. But somebody will. How many somebodies do I have in the room this morning? In other words, you're somebody that believes the Bible. Somebody that's going to act on the word of God. Somebody that's going to watch God perform his word and see him do his work amazingly. Praise God. In your life and in other people's lives. So he said, he's unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. God's unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it. Sounds like a ready, what does the word willing mean? Ready giver. Ready to give cheerfully. So God wants us to be that kind of giver, a prompt to do it, ready to do, ready to act, ready to give. I mean, we plan to give. As a man purposes in his heart, so let him give. If you're going to be a giver, you got to plan to do it. If you're going to be a giver, you have to plan to do it. Honey, did you bring the checkbook? No? Oh, no problem. Glad you left it at home. Oh, no, you don't. No, you got a plan to give, right? 
you have to purpose to give. You have to do it on purpose. I mean, you know, if we exchange, you come to church and we exchange checkbooks and you say, uh, you know, give your checkbook to your neighbor or give your credit card to your neighbor and then they give you, uh, you their credit card, their checkbook, uh, we would have a bigger offering. Because people would be generous. With, they'd be a little more generous with somebody else's checkbook. What, what are we saying? I'm just saying that you have to do it on purpose. But somebody would be more generous with your checkbook. <laughs> but God wants us to choose. We don't do it that way because that's not the way God wants it done. He wants us to choose. He wants us to make up our own mind. He wants our heart to be engaged. He wants us to be involved in the process of giving. Now, when we are generous givers, prompt to do it givers, ready givers, plan to give, purpose to give, and respond in obedience to God in giving. When we do that, verse 8, and I don't have time to uh, really work it very much, but verse 8 says, what? And God's able. The next verse, right? And God is able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always, everybody say always, always have what? All sufficiency in what? All things. And you are able to abound in the grace of giving. So when you are a cheerful giver and you love to give and you live to give and, and you've learned the joy of giving, then God's grace will abound toward you. So this is not some, uh, you know, this is not a slot machine. This is not playing at the, at the casino. This is God, in God we trust. It's, in our, it's on our money, but it, is it in our heart? Praise the Lord. So in God we trust. We're trusting in God as our source, and we're honoring him with our tithe, our offerings, and we're trusting him to supply every need of our life, and God will not be mocked whatever the Scripture says. Whatever a man sows in Galatians 6, whatever a man sows, that shall he or she also reap. There are laws of return that whatever you sow, you shall reap, because God is not mocked. His word is good. Somebody say, God is good. All right, so here we are in this verse. God's able to make all grace abound toward you so that you always having all sufficiency in what? All things may abound to every good work. In other words, a constant, you're still abounding in the grace of giving, but God's abounding toward you in the grace of blessing and living. So you learn the joy of giving, and I can assure you, Based on the word of God, God already has this figured out, that he is already a generous, loving father who wants to bless you and increase you more and more, and the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich, and he adds no sorrow. So we're talking about, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, people that started out in debt, distressed, discontent, now they're joyful, cheerful, willing, prompt to do it, givers responding immediately, and the Holy Spirit obviously can work in the heart of an individual and help us to see the joy and find the joy of giving, whether it's our service, our time, our money, our life. Praise God, we live to give. Are you with me? But the verses I'm sharing with you are primarily talking about your giving of your finance or your resources. God is able, hallelujah, to make his grace abound toward you so that you can abound in the grace of giving and you can enjoy your living as well.
And somebody shout amen. All right, so we're going to go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105. And in Psalm 105, it is the story of the children of Israel. That's just in a brief nutshell, so to speak. Uh, the psalmist is giving the story of the children of Israel coming out of the land of bondage. They were in slavery, but God brought them out. How many believe God can still bring people out? Now, in this particular passage, in Psalm 105, we'll begin with verse 37. It says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. He brought them out with what? Silver and gold. Now, if God was opposed to you having silver and gold, he wouldn't have brought them out with it. If God was opposed to you having silver and gold, he wouldn't have had David have billions of dollars worth of it. Uh, if he was opposed to you having silver and gold, he wouldn't have had David's mighty men, the men who were the leaders in the kingdom. He wouldn't have had them have all that silver and gold. If God was opposed to you having silver and gold, he wouldn't have these people rejoicing in giving. Right? Now, but God's not opposed to it. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have the resources. God didn't put silver and gold all for the devil's kids. He didn't put it all in the earth. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, all the silver and the gold belong to him, the scripture says. So the silver, the gold belongs to the Lord. The earth is the Lord. And the cattle on a thousand hills are the Lord's. In other words, the hills, the cattle, and the gold and the silver that's in the hills. So whatever is in this earth, it belongs to God. And if it belongs to God, he wants to share it with you. He didn't put it here for himself. I mean, it's like, like heaven. Uh, Jesus, we're having a hard time up here. I know you just... Uh, uh, we, we paved those streets with gold, but we're going to have to go to the pawn shop. You understand? So, no, Jesus is not having to pawn off the, the gold streets in heaven, the gates of pearl. Oh, we're going to have to take them down to the Las Vegas pawn shop. No, he's, he's doing fine in heaven. God put this stuff in the earth for his kids, for his children. So, you know, it's not for the world to have it all. No, he said he's given the sinner travail that they may work and labor and lay it up for those who are righteous. So just understand, they're working for you. I mean, people are working. They're working for you because God said he's going to give the sinner travail and they're going to labor and hard work and, all, and, and, and then it's going to be turned over to the righteous. I didn't make it up. I'm just telling you Bible verses. So how's that going to happen? I don't know everything about what it's going to do, but I'll tell you one way it's going to happen. You're honoring God. You're loving God. You're serving God. You're giving to God, and God's blessing starts coming your way. Somebody say, God's blessing is coming my way. Somebody say it again. God's blessing is coming my way. In this case, he told the children of Israel, he said, I want you to go to your neighbor, borrow the jewels, borrow the gold, borrow the silver. I want you to borrow. I want you to take it back to the house, and then you're going to leave town. Now, I don't advise you to try that. I'm just telling you what God said. So if you go to your neighbor, borrow the gold, and leave town, you might go to jail. But they went out of Egypt because God, listen, they've been laboring, they've been slaving, and they've been working for the Egyptians. And now he said, go borrow it, and I want you to leave town. And they, and, and, and listen to the story, though. Egypt was glad when they left. 
It said, Egypt, verse, verse 38, it said, Egypt was glad when they departed, for fear of them fell upon them. He spread a cloud for a covering and fire to give light in the night, and the people asked, and he brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock, and the waters gushed out and ran in dry places like a river, he, for he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant, and he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen with gladness. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. Abraham, and he said, now, I'm going to bring you out. But he brought them through the wilderness, satisfied them with the bread of heaven. I mean, they complained about that, and he gave them some quail to eat. They said, Lord, we want some meat, and they got some quail. And so then uh, the waters were not there, and so water came out of a rock. I mean, you're talking about supernatural provision. God causes quail to just fall down dead on your plate. All right, so he rains bread out of heaven, and he causes water to come out of a rock. How many believe God can supply your need? If he can make water come out of the rock, if he can call the, cause the quail to fly in and come to your house, if he can rain man out of heaven, he can take care of you. Somebody say, God can and God will. Say it again, God can and God will. But he said he brought forth his people with what? Joy. And his chosen with gladness. So God wants you to be happy and blessed. He gave them the lands of the heathen. They inherited the labor of the people that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. God did that. I said God gave them the lands of the heathen. God turned it over to them. Now, I'm not just reading Bible stories. I'm preaching to you. Are you hearing me today? I said, I'm not just reading reading Bible stories. I'm preaching to you. You're still a child of Abraham. According to the New Testament, you have a covenant with God. If you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed. And God can make some things happen for you. And he wants you to have some joy in the serving of God. Joy in your giving and joy in your living. Somebody shout amen. amen. Let's go to Psalm 35. While you're turning there, I'm going to give you another verse in Deuteronomy 28, verse 47, says it this way, because thou served not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. He said, in that context, a curse is going to come on you because you didn't serve the Lord with gladness. You had all this abundance. Do you realize in the United States of America, we have abundance? If you go to some third world countries, and I've been to some, they do not have abundance. If you go to some countries that came out from under communism, you find out they didn't have anything. They didn't have food on the shelf in the grocery store. I mean, you walk down the aisles, but you have a bunch of bare shelves. I've been there. Preaching after they came out of communism, a year after, they still don't have stuff in the shelves. They're still riding around in the little Russian cars. Everybody's got the same look. No identity. No self-identity. I mean, everybody had the same car. And they were all beat up. Old cars. Wore out cars. That's what I rode in in my taxi was one of those little cars. And the holes in the street would swallow two or three of them. That's what communism would do for you. And so, 
And then you're in a, a big high-rise apartment building. They turn the heat off at night to conserve. I'm just telling you, that's the way they live. Because it's communism. So here we are in the United States of America. I mean, some of the people that come from other countries, they would just be as thrilled as it could be to just walk around Walmart. They think they died and went to heaven there at Walmart. It's true. Because so much abundance, they don't hardly know what to do with it. That's why some people, they come to the United States, they never want to go back where they came from. I mean, even they come to just visit, visit from other countries, and they don't want to go back. Why? Because, but then others, they realize, if I stay here, I won't go back. So they got to get back home. Understand, this stuff gets a, attaching to them. But listen, I'm not attached to this world. You can enjoy the stuff and not be attached to it. You can enjoy the blessings of God and always honor God that he is your source. He's the one that supplied it. He's the one that blessed you with it. And you don't let it control you. You control it. And one of the ways God keeps you in the right spirit and attitude and the right motivation and maintaining joy is that you keep giving because you realize there's more where that came from. God's my source. Money is not my source. God's my source. Money is just a medium of exchange, and I'm able to give it away, and God's able to bless me, and God's able to provide for me. I am not stuck with money. I'm not stuck with stuff. I honor God. I worship God. I worship him. And he gives me stuff. And I enjoy the stuff while I have the stuff, right? But I can give the stuff away as fast as it came to me. You give it away, and God will bring more stuff to you. And you don't have to worry about it in the process. Some people are so controlled by stuff that stuff just eats up them, just eats them up. They just live their life. They don't have any joy. They're afraid somebody's going to take some of their stuff. They live in fear all the time. They don't trust the people that are close to them because they're going to try to steal some of my stuff. They're going to try to slip out some of my stuff. Listen, I'm not saying be vigilant and, and considerate of who's taking care of your stuff, right? But, but you don't want to have to live in fear. You want to have joy in your life. You want to enjoy the blessings of God. When you have the abundance, remember where it came from. You can enjoy it. I'm preaching better than you're amening right now. All right, so let's go to Psalm 35, and we will close. Let them shout for joy and be what? Glad that favor my what? Righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in your prosperity. So God wants you to have prosperity. He just wants you to remember that it's God. Let them shout for joy and be what? Glad. He wants you to have joy in your giving, but he wants you to have joy in your living. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say continually, those that favor my cause and purpose in the earth, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified. I'm going to magnify God. He's my source. He's my supply. He's a good, 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 good God. Can somebody say he's good? So just remember where all the good things came from. The blessing of the Lord that is in your life, that is on your life, that God has blessed you. He even reigns on the just and the unjust. I mean, even unjust, unrighteous people, he's reigning on them. They just don't realize it, but God's good, and his goodness is reigning on them. He just wants to reign more on you. 
Touch your neighbor and say he wants to rain more on you. In other words, he wants to bless you. Praise God. Because you want to honor him and you want to give to him. He wants you to have joy in your giving, but he wants you to have joy in your living. Thank you for joining us at Word of Life Christian Center, where we seek to move upward in prayer and worship, inward in discipleship, and outward in evangelism. We are so excited that you decided to connect with what God is doing here. And if you want to learn more, go to wordoflifelv.com.